Kia ora, I'm Alexia Russell and today on The Detail we're talking about digital exclusion. Digital is not always best for all people and all situations. The Citizens Advice Bureau says thousands of Kiwis are struggling to access vital services that have moved online. A new report from the CAB found around 10% of clients suffered from digital exclusion due to things like language barriers and access to technology. If you're guessing those thousands of Kiwis are probably older people who've been left behind in the rush to do everything on screens, you're off the mark. Poverty. It's poor. It's people that don't have the money. Yes, the report found deprivation was the biggie, and that covered all age groups. And the CAB's chief executive, Kerry Dalton, expects this to get worse, saying the government's ongoing push to go digital everywhere will exclude New Zealand's most vulnerable people. She says we're not going to solve this problem by teaching everyone how to use the internet. This very, very clearly points to the fact that there are underlying issues of exclusion and disadvantage in general that get magnified by things being accessible only in the online world. So those are issues of poverty, of disability, of literacy and language, and also the fact that some people prefer the security of and the reassurance of interacting with with a human being. And what is wrong with that? The 2018 census revealed 10% of New Zealanders, that's more than half a million people, don't have internet access. Although that census isn't considered reliable because it was largely carried out online. For this report, the CAB's volunteers counted 4,379 cases over a three-month period where people fitted the definition of digital exclusion. But that report came out in February and it kind of got lost in the news deluge of the lockdown. Ironically, lockdown was when all the issues highlighted were exaggerated, as community workers discovered weeks into lockdown and this family of seven hadn't, didn't even know that these services existed so they'd been living off almost nothing. When you're faced then with difficulties of trying to access help in an online world it just creates uh, another layer of additional stress which is unnecessary. This report was raising the issue of people's experience of digital exclusion because of government services moving online and not keeping other options for people to engage with them, either at all or not visible or readily accessible. Okay, so explain digital exclusion. Who are we talking about? People who don't know how to use the internet, people who can't use the internet... So this is where people are experiencing barriers to participating in their community and society because um, they are unable to navigate or access the digital world. Um, It can be for a number of, of reasons. What we found was that there was issues which involved lack of access to devices, to the computer, to the internet. But on the whole, what we found was that where people were experiencing exclusion in general, um, disadvantage, for instance, 
because of, of poverty, lack of income, challenges around literacy, then the issues about engaging with the digital world magnified those barriers that they were already experiencing. That magnification was really evident when this happened. Our plan is simple. We can stop the spread by staying at home and reducing contact. These decisions will place the most significant restrictions on New Zealanders' movements in modern history. Luella Laneka had a really busy lockdown, one of her multiple roles centred on the South Auckland suburb of Manarewa, where she was checking on families who had no access to internet. So I put out a call through my networks to find out if there were any families that needed broadband access or internet access and got a massive response. Most of them were um, mums, more than anything else, looking for um, access for their children, but there were also some looking for access to online services and to Facebook to find out what was going on, and they didn't have access to it. That's that's amazing, isn't it? Because... You know, our whole lockdown is built on the premise that we're going online. You know, we're talking about online voting, online shopping, online ordering. And you don't really think that there's actually quite a big swathe of population that can't do that. I was surprised at how many there were. A lot. And uh, we ended up interviewing. So part of my work was also interviewing uh, families in Manurewa in particular. And there was one family who... Until we contacted them, probably in week six of lockdown to do an interview, they didn't have access. They were relatively new to the community, though they had church links. And English was their second language, but they had no internet access, which meant for the first five weeks, this family of seven had no support. So they had been hungry, so they hadn't been able to access any of the food parcels and six weeks into lockdown and this family of seven didn't even know that these services existed so they'd been living off almost nothing um, and didn't know how to access services and you know it broke my heart that we thought we had a relatively good spread across Manadewa but there were still families that missed out and they missed out because they weren't visually connected or they didn't have good contacts in the community and the combination of the two together was even even worse. So what's the common thread when it comes to digital exclusion? Elderly, poor, foreign language speakers? Poverty. It's poor. It's people that don't have the money. Um, I did, so one of my, the voluntary work I did was to look after our seniors in some of the council flats. And they, with the seniors it's different. They're not necessarily poor, but they not they don't understand the modern world as well, and so they're locked into these. They seem like cheap plans, twenty dollars a month, but it actually excludes them from doing lots of other things. And they don't understand that on their phone, their phone can chew through a whole lot of data really fast, and then they have no data. And the plans had locked one particular guy in that he wasn't able to get new data without getting a penalty. And I rang the provider, um, and they were really sorry about it, but because he also didn't have a card that was a debit card, because they're quite suspicious of um, all of these new online things, so they have, they do it the old school way and go to the bank and do banking that way, or they have a, an old um, SPOS card. 
they can't do a lot of things online or they don't have the means to do it. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of things, but I think the main thread in Manudewa was the families that contacted me for the skinny jump uh, modem. Theirs was definitely income, lack of income, not enough money um, to be able to afford that. So also we're looking at, though, one thing leading to another. If you don't trust debit card, you don't have access to online services, and then you don't have access to anything in a lockdown. That's right. That's right. And it's really sad to see that, yeah, we think we've got good coverage, but we still didn't. There were pockets of people that weren't accessing things for that reason. And when you said you were surprised that it was so widespread, what sort of numbers were you seeing who were just not connected? Um, just in the small push-out I did through one organisation, I had, within probably two days, I had about 15, and by the end of the week I had 30 people that needed access to broadband. And the majority of them, probably 29 out of 30, were real need. Some of them was like, oh, is there a free cheap thing? I'll jump on board that. That was only one, but the majority was that it was too expensive to get broadband but they realised in lockdown it was something they needed for themselves to be able to access things online but also the harder part too was the families with children and wanting to be able to access school online. Just to mention about that skinny jump modem Luella was talking about before, it's a not-for-profit scheme where the telco provides a modem and the first 30 gigabytes free, no contract, no credit checks and $5 a month for prepaid broadband. All you need is a PowerPoint. It's not for online gaming or streaming videos, but you will get the basics. And so that's a really good facility for parents that are moving quite often. It doesn't sound like much money, but when at the end of the day you've got no money left in your wallet because you've paid your rent and your bills and doing your food, this is the last thing, even though it's so critical to some of those other things happening. And so the skinny jump is a really great thing, but it's limited too, and I'd really love to see other telcos have that as well. But there's another problem. Luella asked several mothers if they'd speak to me for this podcast. And I think they were just really fucking mad about being in that circumstance in the first place, so not having the money. Um, and I don't know, but the general sense I got from them was, oh, I don't, it's really important people know our story, but I don't want to tell my story. Meanwhile, the government's pushing on with plans to get the whole country online and last year released its digital inclusion blueprint. Digital inclusion is about everyone having the opportunity to participate in society using digital technologies. In May, the Department of Internal Affairs released Te Mahiri Mō Te Whakarunga Matihiko, our digital inclusion blueprint. It sets out New Zealand's vision as a country where everyone has the ability to participate in, contribute to and benefit from the digital world. As government, it's our role to lead by being the trusted subject matter experts in digital inclusion and by collaborating with others. We also lead by example by making sure government's digital content is accessible. Online services can be used by everyone and collating data to measure New Zealand's progress towards digital inclusion. That doesn't line up with what Dalton's volunteers are telling her as they print off form after government form for things like passports, the paper versions of which have disappeared. The Department of Internal Affairs is the lead agency for ensuring digital inclusion, but 
in the way that it's approaching now some of its services around passports and citizenship, we're seeing it's driving digital exclusion by um, prioritising digital services and trying to drive people online, removing the bulk access to printed forms. So who provides the printed forms now for people who can't use the internet? Well, as government agencies send people to the Citizens Advice Bureau. Dalton says the CAB is cash-strapped and the government needs to recognise that its move to withdraw from face-to-face services is adding to its problems. This is a clear case of cost-shifting. The focus of this report was on government digital services because we rely on our public services for our rights and our entitlements for um, explaining our responsibilities. So there is a very particular role that the public service plays. And when people are unable to access their entitlements and and understand their rights, then um, their situation becomes more difficult and more stressful. So the focus of this report was on identifying the harm and raising the issue of the harm that was being caused by the government's approach to implementing its digital services. So why did CAB do this? Are you seeing the direct results of these government policies that are being driven online? This issue was being raised by our volunteers. So our service is delivered by trained volunteers in 83 communities throughout New Zealand. And they were raising their concerns about the growing number of people, often already in very vulnerable situations, who were coming to our service for help because they couldn't access the help they needed from government because that help could only be accessed online or other ways of accessing it was too hard. And we're talking about things like income support, where people are homeless, unable to put food on the table, and already stressed out and vulnerable. Now, um, with work and income, they still have a physical presence in, in communities, but a lot of a number of government agencies have withdrawn from having a physical presence. Unable, you're unable to access that face-to-face support. So the people that your volunteers are seeing in your offices, the people who are lining up asking for help, a lot of them need help basically just do- doing things that you and I could do from home on our computers. There's, there's a number of issues in there. Yes, there is people who don't have the you know, the the digital confidence or skills to access that, um, you know, things online. But there's also the difficulty of actually navigating things online. Have you tried to fill out a government form online? Oh, crikey. You'd be lucky if you Um, don't get timed out. So, and, and try doing that when your only device is a phone. Add on to that... You don't have money for data. And also, add on to that, that it requires you to upload documents as well. What's the problem is that government services are poorly, you know, their online services are very poorly designed or that people just can't get there in the first place? 
some of government services are poorly designed. So one example I can give you is RealMe, where a client came to us because they were having difficulty with registering for RealMe. They had a Gmail account, and they got told that they needed to set up a whole other email account because with RealMe, Gmail wasn't compatible, and it would time out before the verification was sent via email. That's a security thing, isn't it, for RealMe? I mean, you can use RealMe for things like getting a passport, which means it has to have those quite stiff security measures in it. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but that was a definite barrier, even for somebody who had a reasonable level of digital literacy. The fact that they actually had to set up a whole new email account when Gmail is you know, a a very widely used email account. Mm. But on top of that, it was also said that it was best not to use an iPad or an iPhone and to use a real computer as well. Of course, this is a time when councils are feeling the financial pain of the pandemic, the same councils that fund the CAB. The report strongly backs the organisation's fight against the concept that volunteers aren't needed now that everything can be found online. Digital is not always best for all people and all situations. And I think this was shown in, during the lockdown. So during lockdown, the CAB assisted with 27,000 client inquiries. And while we were helping people who could access information online and navigate the online world, in that situation of high stress where there was new information and new entitlements, people wanted and needed the extra reassurance of engaging with a person so that they could get the reassurance that their understanding of of the information was correct that they understood the processes, that they knew how to fill out the application processes properly. What our report is saying is that there are people who are in that situation all the time and the way that the government is designing its digital services is actually increasing the stress and exclusion and it's, it's hidden because these people are excluded So that's why we felt we had the responsibility to do the research and raise the issue and say to government, you need to pause in the way that you're approaching digital services and look at ensuring that everybody can get the help that they need from public services. But that doesn't seem to be happening, Kerry, does it? Because, I mean, you know, I've just been watching Tracy Martin announce that the best way to get for people to get more out of their Super Gold Card is to download this app where you get your discounts from. Download the app. A mobile app was suggested as the best way that we could provide immediate and um, real-time information around the Super Gold Card. The world's changed. All sorts of technologies have changed and we're going to bring it up to date via Super Super Gold Card. Your bus pass needs to be registered online. Uh, Voting is, is you know, the suggestion towards moving voting online to get younger voters more engaged, you know, that the possibility is that older voters will fall off the other end. Are you saying this problem is um, bigger than we think it is and that it needs to be slowed down? Yes. We are saying that taking an approach which says that digital is the answer to everything and it's the best answer 
creates problems and disadvantage by excluding some people and that those people are often those who need the most support. They may be harder to serve, but that's what we rely on government for, to ensure that those who are most vulnerable are okay. What response have you got from the government to this report? Uh, So... Unfortunately, what I would say is that it looks like government is barreling ahead with a, an approach which focuses on digital services as the best approach or sometimes the only approach. There has continued to be the removal of bulk printing of forms by government and some things are accessible only online. So despite this report, the evidence it has that people who are vulnerable are being made more vulnerable by the government's approach to implementing its digital services, there doesn't seem to be a change in that approach. CAB has talked to State Services Commissioner Peter Hughes and the government's Chief Digital Officer, Paul James, about the hoops government departments are putting people through. Kerry Dalton telling them these are our taxpayer-funded services and people rely on having access to them. Meanwhile, Luella Laneka is still seeing frustration in her community. You do know what you're missing out on, but you don't know how to get it because your friends or your neighbours or other parts of your family have them and you don't. And I don't even want to think about what the mental burden is like then um, and feeling like you're being victimised unintentionally because you don't know. Government needs to rethink its approach to its digital transformation and ensure that there is choice for people in how they access government services, that there is the ability to talk to somebody or to fill in and access a paper form easily, as well as the online options. Online options work for a lot of people. They make things more efficient. Um, you can do things in your, from the comfort of your own home. But for some people, and in fact, some of our most vulnerable people, the way that the government is approaching its digital services is making things harder and is and more distressing. That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and New Zealand On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so that other people can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Veal and produced by Emile Donovan. And thanks to Kerry Dalton and Luella Laneka. Kakita ano.